Welcome to a Biblical Perspective Podcast, where God's point of view matters. I'm your host, Prophet C.T. Johnson. Join me as I boldly and unapologetically address the church's stance and position regarding an array of subjects and topics using the Word of God as the frame of reference. Are you ready? Let's hear what God has to say. Well, greetings, family. This is Prophet C.T. Johnson, and you are listening to a Biblical Perspective podcast. We are back with another powerful, empowering, insightful episode. And I have, as promised, I have brought back to a Biblical Perspective podcast, my dear friend and apostle sister, Apostle Ashley Clater, whom was with us a few episodes ago, and we dialogued from her powerful book entitled Diary of a Woman Apostle, The Warfare of Womanhood. And we received great feedback from you, the listeners who were blessed. Some of you were challenged, but nonetheless, you <laughs> were you, you, you were blessed, you were empowered, and you learned something that you did not know before. And of course, as it is, our goal here is everything that we discuss, everything that we teach is from a biblical perspective. We use the scriptures, the word of God as our frame of reference. And so without further ado, well, before I introduce her, let me give you just a little tidbit little insight of what we're going to discuss and deal with on today. We're going to hone in on the warfare aspect. And also we're going to talk about and deal with what I have coined, what I've coined uh, TDD, Temptations, detours, and distractions, as well as we're going to deal with IBB, intelligence, brilliance, and boldness. These terms I pulled from Apostle Ashley's book, and we're going to dig our heels into this and further unpack and yea, understand specifically the areas of warfare that women are experiencing. Now, Apostle Ashley and I have not rehearsed, so she does not know the direction <laughs> in which I'm going with I, what I have just shared with you. Pray for me, y'all. I have just shared with her. So without further ado, let's welcome Apostle Ashley Clater <laughs> to a Biblical Perspective podcast. <laughs> Welcome, my apostle sister. Welcome, welcome. Greet well, us. Thank you, my prophet brother. Well, you are welcome. <laughs> now, greet us. Just say hello <laughs> to a biblical perspective. And uh, we're going to dive right into our discussion on today. Well, hello, the biblical perspective followers and family. It's a privilege. It's an honor to be back. I am excited about digging a little deeper into um, what has become a staple belief system in the world, not even just the body of Christ, but for sure. And really, like he said, unpacking this a little bit more 
Um, listen, pray for me. I don't know what questions are coming out, but <laughs> I know it's going to be good. Indeed. Indeed, it's going to be good. And you want to make sure, listeners, that you stay tuned for the entire podcast. So last episode, we dealt with particularly how so many have been indoctrinated into a belief system and even ideology regarding women, what their roles and responsibilities are and even are not. And so it was a very powerful, powerful discussion. I encourage you, if you are listening for the first time, you want to go back and listen to part one of this teaching, The Warfare of Womanhood, because Apostle Ashley really unpacked that whole aspect of being indoctrinated into uh, this thought process, this, this ideology, this belief system that society has developed in regards to what a woman's role is, what their responsibilities are in the home, outside the home ministry and all of that. And so on today, we're going deeper deeper because as our chief apostle, Dr. Paula Price always says, deep calls unto deep. We are done with the shallow end of God's pool, doesn't she? And so we are going further into the deep end on this subject matter. Now I'm going to approach this from an unorthodox um, manner. And I'm known to do that from time to time. I've been coined the unorthodox prophet. And so I embrace it. So um, with that having been said, let me first define warfare. Warfare struggle between competing entities. Entities also a word, a synonym for entities is being. So struggle between competing beings and that word really fits as it pertains to our discussion because there is indeed a struggle. There is competition between God and Satan regarding the destiny of women. Wouldn't you agree, Pastor Ashley? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so with that having been defined, the word warfare, I want to bring to our, or read rather into our hearing, Jeremiah 29, 11, very familiar passage of scripture. If you've been in church, around church, uh, any length of time, you have heard this scripture quoted, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Now, what's the purpose of me reading that text is for this many fail to realize just as God has thoughts toward us and he has a purpose for our lives and he has a a destiny and he has a plan. So does Satan. Satan has a plan for our lives and it is opposite of what God's is. He actually does have a plan that is filled with the agenda of evil. But of course he doesn't present it to you in that way because he's the father of lies. So anything he tells you is going to be, I almost said fabricated, but no, not fabricated. It's going to be a flat out lie. But however, he packages it so well 
that we embrace it and we ascribe to it. But I want you to understand that the warfare exists because there are, again, two competing entities and they both have destiny that they want fulfilled regarding our lives. And so we are going to deal with this. And here we go. Now, I stated I want to approach this from an unorthodox, uh, in an unorthodox manner. And most times, well, really, I've never heard someone quote from a person's book from the dedication page. But I'm going to quote from the (laughs) dedication page found on page two. For those of you that do not have your personal copy, hard copy or e-copy of this powerful piece of literature. We're going to share with you at the end of the broadcast how you can get your copy and get it into your library. But on page two, where Apostle Ashley makes her statements of dedication to Dr. Price, her spiritual mother, and to her natural biological mother, she says to my mom, Miss Elaine, who has adopted my wife and I, by the way. I just want to throw that out there. Yes. Uh, yes. And we love her dearly. All right. Now, back to business. To my mom, Miss Elaine, <laughs> whose motherhood raised me to be compatible with my destiny. That is a powerful, powerful, and again, I say powerful statement. When I read that, I had to take a sila moment because. Mm. I have never heard homage, tribute, gratitude bestowed upon a parent in this way, where you acknowledged how your rearing, it made you compatible with your destiny versus incompatible. And so my first question Mm -hmm. to you, Apostle Ashley is this, would you agree with this statement that some of the warfare that women are experiencing could be due to the fact that they were raised, they were reared in a manner that was and is incompatible with the destiny God had ordained for their lives? It's on 100% you. agree, absolutely. The answer is yes. <laughs> Many times, uh, in many cases, youngsters are raised according to cultural expectations. Uh, So many parents will say, I dedicate, how many Christian parents dedicate their babies when they're born, take them to the minister in front of the church, we have this whole thing, but then raise them according to culture, raise them according to uh, family tradition. Mm Mm-hmm raise them according to all of these other things, not realizing they're not allowing God the opportunity or affording him the opportunity to insert himself freely to say, no, I don't want this for this child. Yes, I do want this for this child. They need to go to that school. They don't need to go to that school. No, you don't need to have a boyfriend. Yes, you do need to. And and so on and so forth. Very few parents have that I'm not going to say very few, but many parents don't have that sensitivity Mm -hmm. or if they do, they don't have the backing 
to stand by it or the backbone. Because it's going to take backbone. There's always going to be somebody who disagrees. I had family members who disagreed up the front and down the back on how my mother was raising me. Um, They thought I should have been in pageants. She's just so cute. She should be modeling. She should be this. She should be that. Mm -hmm. She should be out there. You shouldn't be sitting on her in church, making her just go to church. And you know my mother. (laughs) She didn't care then. You know she doesn't care. (laughs) She doesn't care now. She didn't care 40 years ago. Indeed. She said, this is my child, and God gave her to me. You have your own children. You do whatever you want. This is the one God gave me, and this is what we're doing or not doing. And, uh, yeah, she she raised It's like a running joke. My mom and I have talked about this a lot mm-hmm. over the years since I've met Dr. Price. And she was like, I had no idea what an apostle or prophet was. I had no <laughs> idea who you were, but I knew. <laughs> My mom but as well. She just raised me on that, even though she didn't realize prophetic instinct, prophetic obedience mm-hmm. to the Lord, and raised me to truly make God number one in my life above her, wow. above money, above whatever what he says goes, whatever he needs you to do, that's what you do. Mm-hmm. When I said I wasn't moving back home to Pennsylvania, my mom said, you need to do what God called you to do. Wow. It didn't at that time. The ministry had no money. There was no fame in this thing. There was no platform. There was none of those things. It was uh, an assassination attempt. <laughs> it seemed like every day on the life of this thing. And there it, there was nothing compared to what it is now on the surface mm-hmm. to, the, to the naked eye. Right. And my mother taught me, she, she always had those adages, you know, believe half of what you see and none of what you hear. She raised me up. Flattery, flattery, Ashley. You cannot be susceptible to flattery. You cannot follow people because of flattery. That's powerful. And she would say all of those things. People are always going to tell you you're cute. They're always, because you know, I mean, I'm small now, but my God, then I was like this little miniature person (laughs) with all of this personality, these big, huge eyeballs, this big mouth that people were like, how is she? I mean, what is going on? And so people were always just kind of wrapped up in that. She said, people are always going to be wrapped up in your looks. Mm-hmm. They're always, and I wrote about that. They're always going to be this. What do you, and she made me think and not just feel or that. become reliant on those superficial things to make it in life. I love that. You said that your mother made you think and not depend upon feeling, emotion. Speak to that. How Mm -hmm. important, how significant is that for parents to gear their children toward developing an intellectual um, ability, if that's the proper word. But how important is it Mm -hmm. for parents to to develop in their children? Uh, that 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 ability to as we talked about on the last episode to to critically think and or to be a critical thinker and 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 not to rely on your feelings and your emotions and coast your way through life but actually to take that intellectual cerebral approach and analyze opportunities, Mm -hmm. analyze environments 
and and making sure that you have assessed everything accordingly before you sign, as it were, on the dotted line. Speak to that. How important is that? How did that uh, how 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 did your mom rearing you in that manner to be a thinker versus a feeler? How did that and how is that yet benefiting your life? It's a great question. She always, my mom was someone who um, just let us know, my brother and I, because I have a brother who's two years older than me, always let us know, hey guys, there's always going to be somebody who disagrees with you in life. Right. doesn't matter what age you are. It could be your boss. It could be your friend. It could be your spouse. It could be your cousin. There's always somebody. And she would just drill in our heads, you better have your own mind. Mm. Your friends could lead you over a cliff. You could go to jail because of your friends or you can make the right decisions in things, but you need to know why you are doing something beyond because they're doing it or because they said, so if I wanted to wear something, why do you want to wear that? I mean, after a while, my mother just knew I had my own mind. I had my own style. It's Mm -hmm. no surprise that I am in cosmetics and ultimately will be moving into fashion as a part of my other businesses, because that is who I've always been. But teaching, you need to have your own mind, which does not equal rebellion. Right. You have to find that balance. I'm just having my own mind. No, you're actually being rebellious. Having your own mind, not being susceptible or minimizing susceptibility to peer pressure. And like when I was in high school, nobody tried to pressure me into much of anything because it was clear mm-hmm. I didn't care. I didn't care if I wasn't in the inner circle. I was cool with all those kids. Was not invited in because I didn't party. I didn't drink. I didn't have sex. I didn't do any of those things. So I was never invited, which was great because I was going to say no anyway. But because I was true to myself, I was respected. Quarterback of the football team, head of the cheerleading, whatever. I was respected. We were cool. We weren't tight. We weren't all those things but there was a respect. And so uh, when you stand for what you believe, I wasn't preaching at anybody. I didn't go to school yelling from the rooftops and condemning people. I, I was unapologetic with what I believed. Mm-hmm. And as a result, there was that respect and that just became a pattern in my life. So when I did move away to college and I was away from home for the first time, I had put myself in some pretty stupid situations when it comes to guys, honestly, being ignorant of what it was really like out there. And God, every time, just those few times, every time somebody walked in, intervened, did whatever. Right. But I learned from those things and never did them again. Cause I was like, Oh, so that's why you're not supposed to do this. And that's why you're not supposed right, to do that. Right. But my mom raised me to pursue wisdom and not approval. Mm, now say that again. Hold on. That's a bell moment. That's a bell moment. Say that again. Oh, she has her own bell, you all, on her end. I have my own bell, yes. <laughs> so we're, we're going to bell you all. Oh, so go ahead, I'm sorry. That's it. <laughs> get ready, get ready. Um, my mom raised me to pursue wisdom, not approval. I love that. Um, when I was a kid, she I remember her telling me, when I was pregnant with you, I prayed with you and your brother that you would both have wisdom because wisdom is the principal thing and, and she would just run it down. And so my whole life I was like, Oh, okay, I guess I should. Wow. 
I, I guess I should figure that out. And she just, um, my mom was a mom who was not apologizing mm. for our Christian standards and beliefs. She never allowed us to feel like somehow we were missing out on something right. because of her standards. And she would say things like, you, you, she would tell me, you can go out there and have sex if you want to. But I'm telling you right now, <laughs> I'm not raising your baby. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> because I raise you. Right. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, okay. I love See, it. that's thinking something through. That right. wasn't preaching because God and Jesus and whatever she said, you get pregnant, you are raising your child. Right. Because I'm done. Right. So she gave you food for thought. She gave you something <laughs> to chew on as it pertains to the consequences of you making the decision right. to have premarital sex. She wanted you to know if the result and it's a high probability that the result of sex is pregnancy. Uh, she wanted you to know what? that you and you alone were going to be solely yep. responsible for rearing that right. child, for providing for that child, for sacrificing for that child. So that statement, it gave you a, it, it, it's some, well, not somewhat, it gave you a real, a realistic, uh, I don't want to say expectation because you weren't expecting, uh, but it gave you a realistic uh, outcome, as it were. It 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 uh -huh. it, it gave uh -huh. you uh, an outcome that was very real, that was very tangible, and she wanted you to know, hey, you can do what you want to do once you hit a certain age and things of that nature, and you're out of my sight, and you're out of my supervision, and I'm not with you twenty four seven. But however. These are the consequences. And so my mother was the same, same way. Um, and ironically, when I was a child and my mother was rearing and raising us, I'm the middle of three boys. She wasn't saved. My mother did not come into wow. the, the, the knowledge of Christ. She did not uh, enter into, into relationship with Jesus until, until my adult life. I was I was in my first year of the Air Force and in 2000 and uh, 2001. And I remember uh, the phone call and the conversation that my mother had with me sharing how she had encountered Jesus Christ and her life was changed. And that was oh, over 20 some years ago. because That was 2001. And here we are in 2021. Uh, but so. But that's a whole nother podcast and I'll probably have you back to discuss that. But uh, real quick, before we go even deeper, I want you to share some of the warfare in regards to what you just shared with us as it pertains to your stand and your standards in high school and how it was very clear to your peers and to your friends where you stood regarding morals, morality as it pertains to your relationship with Jesus Christ, explain and share the warfare, because of course we want to hone in specifically as it pertains to that aspect of the book, but explain some of the, the, um, the struggle, uh, the, the, the results of you standing firm in your belief system. What was the warfare like? What are some of the things that you experienced uh, that the enemy was throwing at you 
that he was manifesting for the purpose of swaying you and 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 conform, converting you rather over to darkness. Share that with, with with the listeners that that warfare aspect. I was in college. My first school that I went to was not ORU. I transferred into ORU when I was twenty years old, and I was I was who I was. Now I was in a sorority. I was friends with. Black guys, sorority girls, the whole nine, um, never drank, never did any of those things. Everybody knew it. It actually was a, a matter of debate when, during rush because I didn't drink if I would be accepted into the sorority. Now, this is before Dr. Paul Bright's day, so wow. yeah, what I know now about sororities, I did <laughs> not know then. <laughs> Let me put that out there. And um, there was a guy that I knew, and he said to me, point blank, by the end of this year, I'm going to get you drunk. Wow. He, he was bold. <laughs> and I said, no, you're not. <laughs> and he said, yes, I am. As it happens, I did not go back to that school. And uh, so many near misses were happening there because I was not in my right place. Mm -hmm. So let me say that much warfare happens when you're not in your right place. Wow. Wow. At the, the bell moment. School. Yeah. Yeah. Not in my right place. I did not want to move to Oklahoma. I did not want to go to ORU. Now, mm -hmm. this is back in the 90s. The Oklahoma City bombing had recently happened. I was right. like, what? No. And so I went somewhere else and could not be successful academically or otherwise. The only time of my life I failed in school was there. Only wow. time. Wow. And because I knew God, it's like he shut down my mind. It was like I could not think in my classes because I was not supposed to be there. Mm. And I had one near miss after the other, one near miss after the other with guys going through. Mm -hmm. And so um, there's that blatant warfare in your face. I'm going to get you. And he meant it. Right. And I meant it too, but he meant it. And see, when people get that determined, a whole other demonic thing kicks in. Yes, yes. And so <clears throat> God removed me from that situation. He knew I didn't have enough sense to leave. So he had this. <laughs> Won't he do that? Maneuver. Won't he do that? When oh God my. knows oh, we don't have enough. People. I'm telling you, I love him for that. He will work. Yes. He will manipulate your circumstances. He will manipulate the situation to get you out because he knows that you don't have enough sense uh, to realize you that you, you you're, you, you're, you're being targeted. So yeah, but go ahead. This is good. Bullet, yeah. A bullseye on your back and your forehead. And so I had, like I said, several near misses there with guys and, um, in high school, not so much because I was under the covering of my house. The, my routine was set. My life was really set. I wasn't that kid who, well, you weren't sneaking out of my house because my mother had the door squeaky. So you, she would hear the front door and the back door where her it. bedroom was situated. You could hear the door. So you it. weren't doing that. You weren't sneaking out of the garage because you could hear the garage door. There was no side door. And East Coast, there were basements. So even though you could go downstairs to the basement, you still could not get out of the house. My mom was like, <laughs> I hear you coming and going. <laughs> But don't even try it. Right. Coming up at the top of the stairs, her bedroom was right there because she lived in, in a in a nice size house, but it was a very small upstairs, just three bedrooms in the bathroom right there at the top of the stairs. Mm -hmm. So there was none of that in the house. So you had to work a little harder 
to get into trouble. Although when you had troubled friends, it's still very easy when you're out of, out from under the roof. Oh yes. Uh, so, but uh, that really was my desire. I, at a young age, now knowing that I'm an apostle, but at a young age, I could the the destruction of something was always obvious to me. Mm. I could see why drinking was a bad idea. Right. It's a bad idea. Right. I love the Lord, saved from a young age. But honestly, I sat there thinking, for example, my father uh, was addicted to smoking up until he passed. Mm -hmm. And when I was a kid, my brother and I were sitting in my grandmother's kitchen and my grandparents smoked, his parents. And there were cigarettes sitting there. And we were talking and looking at them and, you know, talking as kids talk, picking them up, messing around. And I remember saying, I am not, I do not want to struggle with this addiction my whole life. Wow. So I'm not going to do this because we put them up to our mouth. Don't be a little kid trying to imitate your parent, imitate your grandparents. Just be like the adults. And that's how so many addictions get in kids is those moments right there. That's That's how I can do this job and know how devils enter in to children's bodies and their souls. And I put that thing down and I said, you know what? I don't think I want to fight this my whole life. I never started cussing because I thought, it's too hard to know when to cuss and when not to cuss. That's just hard work. <laughs> Think about that. As a kid, as a teenager, right. I thought, I don't, do I really want to live like this where I have to be one person in church and somebody else with my friends and what, I know I'm going to slip up. And if I, when I slip up, my mother is going to beat the mess out of me. <laughs> and I thought, ugh. That's too hard. And so at that age, I just decided living a duplicitous life was too much work. Mm. Wait a minute. You said you decided at that age, living a duplicitous life was too much work. Wow. It was too much work. It was too much work. Let that sink in. We talked about, you know, two-faced. You you talk about people who are one way with one. And I thought, do I really want to be that person? So. I could really walk around saying it was my love for God. And that was a huge factor because I know Jesus Christ in my life is the only reason I had that rod of righteousness to even know. Right. So I would by no means diminish that. But when I was having those internal conversations, because we all have them, it was, do I want to struggle with drinking my whole life? Mm -hmm. I mean, do I want to be dependent on getting drunk to have a good time? And I would look at my friends drunk in college and whatnot, I'm thinking, y'all look like a bunch of fools, first of all. And this is a whole lot of money. Right. And you're playing, and you're vomiting all of your... I was like, this is, that's not even attractive. That's not even pretty. It, and it's expensive. Indeed. And I never did it. And whenever costly. I was... Addiction is costly. And Indeed. it's costly out of your pocket. And then it's costly out of your life. Yes. In so every aspect. Pay. That's true. And I was... Yeah, I was in college. And I remember... Um, I was always the mother on the floor because I was always sober. And so (laughs) little mama was a nickname that followed me my whole life until I was ordained. (laughs) And I finally was put in an office and people stopped calling me mom, mommy, variations of little mama. No matter where I went, people who didn't know me, that is a nickname that came up. And they're like, but you just, you just take care of everybody. You just mother people. I'm like, cause they're about to destroy themselves. And whenever we were pledging in the sorority, there was a dry week where they made everybody be sober Mm -hmm. as punishment (laughs) because they all were a bunch of probably alcoholics at that point at 18 years old. 
And I remember thinking, well, I don't care because I'm sober all the exactly. time anyway. Exactly. And my friends, these were my friends on my on my floor and the other girls who were pledging. And they say, you know what? We must look like a bunch of fools to you all the time because they were looking at all the other drunk girls, the upperclassmen, mm-hmm. realizing what it looked like to be drunk when you're sober. I say, yeah, y'all look like a bunch of dummies, but you know, it's your choice. And they said, we wish we had never started drinking because now we don't know how to have a good time without it. Without it. Wow. Wow. 18 years old. Set my soul free. Now, I really wasn't bound to the idea of drinking or anything, but I thought, what a validating statement because we're really raised to believe that all those people who do those things believe they're right and you're wrong. But in a moment of honesty and sobriety, I know God had them confess the truth. So I would know. I made the right decision in him. Wow. And also society teaches us that if you don't drink, if you don't smoke, if you don't have some type of outlet equivalent to those various things, that you're not having fun, that you're missing out on something, you're you're missing out on uh, uh, in, in, in enjoyment, it, it, that, that somehow if you are not caught up into those various habits or those various um, uh, expressions of, I don't know the word I want to pull, but my point is that there are, there are people that Mm -hmm. tell us that you're, you're missing out. So when you abstain or not only abstain, but when you've made a decision that you're not going to live your life according to the culture, according to status quo, according to what's popular, according to what's faddish, you are always categorized as uh, the misfit. You're categorized as the person that doesn't know what they're missing. But the truth of the matter is, and this is what I tell young people when I have opportunity to speak with them, is that, yeah, you are missing out on something, but what you're missing out on is a good thing. You're missing out on experiencing a hangover. You're missing out on throwing your money away. You're missing out on the possibility of developing lung cancer, throat cancer, uh, psoriasis of the liver. So, yeah, you are missing out on Uh a whole bunch Uh of things. And thank God that you are, because all of these things yield uh, uh, yield uh, current gratification and or current satisfaction, but it yields a future of possible heartache, disease, things that could have been avoided if you were a critical thinker and not an emotional thinker. So let's move to our next place of discussion. I want to extract a few quotes from page 21 well from war two of the book sacrificing smart um i Ah. was really 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 impressed by this particular segment of the book because really this is where not just women young ladies young girls but millennials in general boys girls men Ladies, this is where a lot of them are. But of course, we're specifically talking about the warfare of womanhood. 
But I love how you opened this particular segment of the book. And I'm going to start reading on page 21. From the moment you step into a room, all eyes are on your parents, not your brain power. There comes a point in every woman's life where a decision must be made. A question has to be answered in the core of her identity. Are you going to sacrifice smart so pretty can prevail? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about uh, this right here in regards to you said a question has to be answered in the core of her identity. And many young women, many women are experiencing warfare where their identity is concerned. So speak to that. Speak to that. And yeah, speak to that. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I think I'll speak to that. Well, go right ahead. There is, (laughs) there is a ridiculous amount of pressure for a woman to decide if she's going to be the smart girl or the pretty girl. Think about movies. It's, rarely is the smart girl the pretty girl right. and the pretty girl the smart girl. You're either the pretty one that everyone wants or you're the nerdy one, the pretty, the nerdy one that everybody uses. Mm. It's, it's how it is. You're used mm-hmm. if you're smart, but you're wanted if you're if pretty. You're pretty. Yeah. And That's true. never the twain shall meet. So we have the, if there's a really smart girl, in a movie or a television show, then they downplay her looks so she'll be taken seriously as a pretty woman. Or she'll be the ugly duckling character 95% of the movie or show. Mm -hmm. And then the last five minutes, she'll have this transformation. And then she's really valuable because she's pretty too. And those things communicate to girls. Over and over and yes. over. We we yes. dote on pretty little babies and mm-hmm. and look how cute she is. Look how pretty. And and we say that about guys too, but you know, this is about women, so we'll talk about them tonight. Right, right. And and you have to make a decision because people begin to tell you, Well, I I profit, I can't even I've lost count. My God, if I got paid just a dollar for every time somebody has said to me, Well, you don't want to be too smart because you're too smart to get married. You know, your problem is the reason you're single is because you're too smart for your own good. Mm. Man, I'd be driving the Bentley right now. <laughs> I know <laughs> Somebody that's right. gave me money every time that was said. I had an apostle who was in town for a meeting actually say in front of a table full of other leaders, that's, in, that's why you're not married. That's why you're still single. Wow. Wow. Because of something that I said about something totally not related to that. And the whole table was in shock. Like, oh, this mm. is how you really feel See, yeah. about the subject. Yeah. This is somebody I hardly knew on a personal level. But he just flew out of his mouth, which means there was lots of conversations about it. And so, exactly. like it says up here, we do tell our girls that looks don't matter, but who are we kidding? Of course they do. And so you, that female has to decide. And I say girl, because it's at the little girl age where you decide those things. Are you going to hide your brains? I know women who 
swallow their intelligence oh, because yes. their husbands can't take it. Yes. And they can't take Very it true. because they, these women pretended to be less than what right. they were to get married. Yeah. So I'm not even going to blame the men like these men are beating them down, but these women played a game to right. get married because right. they were told they had to. And sometimes that is really true. Cause I have met some men who are like, well, you just too smart for me. And I just, I, there was no way I would have a woman as smart as you. I'm like, well, so you you're know, saying that your current wife is stupid. <laughs> you know, I, I have met, I yet have associates and even some friends that are of that mentality. Um, and needless to say, they are, divorced now or some or those rather whom are yet married they're just married on paper their marriage their relationship has long dissolved they're just together for the children they're just together because of how their finances are intertwined exactly Mm -hmm. exactly but uh personally speaking i am thankful and grateful that I married a woman next month. It will be 18 years that I married someone that, yeah, 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 yeah. I married someone that has a brain that is being saved and sanctified and all of that is, is primary. That's very important. But in conjunction with that, I needed someone that was a thinker. I didn't want someone, I didn't want a woman that was a yes ma'am that would uh, acquiesce simply because she didn't want to bruise my ego. I didn't, I didn't want her to dumb down her intelligence because I I'm smart. I'm intelligent, but I'm not, uh, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm better because of her. She has enhanced our life and enhanced my life and enhanced my ministry uh, in so many ways. And there are opportunities and advantages that I have been presented with that i never would have been presented with if it had not been for God giving me her and me listening to her wisdom, me listening to her point of view, me listening to uh, her opinion in regards to whatever it is we were dealing with. So, you know, it's, it's, it's an ego thing. And not only that, but as we have already discussed, uh, this has been indoctrinated into the minds of little boys and little girls and people, uh, parents, uh, actually condition their boys to be the dominant one, to be the controller. And they even condition and prepare them and train them to, in some cases, seek out a woman that is pretty but dumb. See? So, yes. Go ahead. Yes. Anything you want to add to that before I pop the next question on you? No, go ahead and pop the next question. Cause <laughs> I could talk about that for a while. <laughs> All right. Well, here we go. So, uh, I'm now, um, I, I want to highlight and lift, uh, another quote from the book in the middle of page 22. Uh, and she says, as a woman apostle, I have witnessed a genuine look of shock pop up on people's faces when they realize there is actually a big brain behind these big eyes. And listen, (laughs) biblical perspective family, this woman is indeed 
intelligent. She does have a big brain. I've never seen her brain physically, but I've seen it in action. I've seen it in operation. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> and I'm telling you, this is truly a woman that is cerebral. Uh, she is one that can hold her own with any individual, male, female. It doesn't matter. Um, she does have a big brain. Just wanted to throw that out there for our listeners. So I go back to the quote, why surprise? And she answers the question because of, and this is what I want you to address because of social and cultural conditioning. And we've touched on this uh, even a little bit today, but I really want to spend some time uh, and have you to further elaborate on the social and cultural conditioning that we are seeing right now that we are experiencing uh, as it pertains to young women, young girls in particular, again, being programmed to operate off of their looks and their exterior and their physical pulchritude versus operating off of your intelligence and your ability and allowing people to see you for more than a sex object, for more than a a, a maid, for more than a baby maker or mm. producer. So mm-hmm. speak to that for a few moments. Well, the social and culture and conditioning, first of all, going back to this statement, I think I need to go back and read my own book <laughs> about uh, <laughs> that genuine look of that shock. That's a real thing. Like people have said to me, well, I had no idea you were smart. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And that's not a compliment. That is not a compliment. If that's a thought that comes to your head, oh, wow, people, keep your mouth shut. Yeah. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, don't say that. But but they're not thinking. They're just talking. They're right. Just reacting. The whole point is proven in that moment. Um, or, or they'll say, well, who came up with this? Well, I came up with this idea. Really? Really? <laughs> yes. I, Dr. Price actually keeps me around because I can think. Right. Right. As a matter of I fact, she think. won't even have you around if you can't think. <laughs> but go no, ahead. Sir, not in these ranks. I know that's You're right. welcome to be a member of the church, but you shall not work for the company. Right. <laughs> and so that 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 so that uh, social and cultural conditioning is it's profiling. We just think that profiling mm. is a racial issue. Wow. Where you see somebody of a certain color, you profile them. Whenever, for example, in our youth conference this year, one of the exercises that I did with our teenagers, Prophet Marie, was in the room. Well, you know who Prophet Marie is. Prophet Marie is in our organization for our listeners. Mm -hmm. She was my roommate in college. She is Caucasian, uh, has a Scandinavian look and and roots in her family. So she has that blonde hair, um, bluish kind of whatever combination, eyes, fair Mm -hmm. skin. And I said to them, what do you think when you see her, when you see someone who looks like her? They ran down all of the socially conditioned responses. Now, they know her, so they know she's not that. I right. think they thought that because they, they may have. Oh, she can't be trusted because she's a white girl. She has money that she wants. She's stingy because she's a white girl and ran it down. I said, do you see how you answer according to culture? Well, we don't believe that, but all of your answers were socially conditioned. Mm. 
That's and so, good. so we profile people all the time on gender, the way they look, how much money we think they have, everything. So in making this statement about that social and cultural conditioning, when people look at you, they don't realize that they have assessed your intelligence. They've assessed your value. Mm-hmm. They've assessed, should I even invest in you? Without thinking, that's like happens in nanoseconds. Boom, boom, boom. You come to a conclusion, you keep walking, and you act on that conclusion, which is why people are stunned when somebody confronts them on it, and they'll say that's not true. Right. Because when people confront you with the truth, it's like, no, I would never judge people according to, sure, you, we all, come on now, we all do. <laughs> this is Because true. we all live under the sun, yeah. life under the sun. That's why having these mantles help. Bless God. Thank to God. see beyond the obvious. Hallelujah. And so we're conditioned, yeah. We're conditioned to assess and conclude, and sometimes our visceral responses betray us. Because yes, yes. I'm telling you, that look in people's eyes now, I laugh. I used to be offended. Right. And my chief right. apostle, my mentor, she said, Listen, God made you to look this way for a reason. It's very disarming. People never see you coming and use it. She said, use it to your advantage. Use it to get into doors and the situations. People won't even give their best mm-hmm. when they're coming up against you because they don't think you have much to offer right. outside of your appearance. And right. I was like, oh, okay. I can work with that. That's powerful. That's powerful. Despite technological and educational advancements, I'm quoting now from page 23. Despite technological and educational advancements in the world, the overwhelming pressure to focus more on appearance than substance still abounds, even within the church. That's a Selah moment. Mm -hmm. My Mm -hmm. mother, Miss Elaine, ceaselessly challenged me to be a girl of. Now, listeners, if you recall, in the beginning, I threw out some acronyms. I said that we're going to deal with <laughs> IBB and then we're going to deal with um, TDD. Well, IBB is right here. She says, again, my mother, Miss Elaine, ceaselessly challenged me to be a girl of intelligence, brilliance and boldness. IBB, intelligence, brilliance and boldness. Speak to that. Pastor Ashley. Yeah, tied back to what we said earlier. My mom was like getting those books. I want to see grades. I, she made me think, speak my mind, not now. She had to check my mouth though, because you know, <laughs> bless God. No, not you, not <laughs> you. Uh, child, child apostles and prophets. The mouth is always I'm down the street. You, Lord, now, we have so much in we, common. We are that God's was my mouthpiece. Yeah. Ooh, we are God's mouthpiece. Yeah, yeah. But see, at that age, it's just running wild yes, without Lord. Jesus, without training. And so she was oh. on me about my mouth. But bless him. Yes, Lord. But and my mother had a mean backhand. Get- I'm sorry. I just want to say this. My mother had a mean backhand. And anytime I said anything that I should have said, uh, especially if she wasn't standing, if she was sitting, she would tell me, come here, kneel down. Mm-hmm. And I knew what that meant. She would say, lean your head forward and oh. bam, all five oh, fingers oh. right in my grill. So, oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you what know you're what? talking about. It took every bit of that. Oh, I know about that. And see, because my mom was not enamored with my size, with my cute. Right. 
with my this and with my that. She said, I'm your mother. I'm not impressed. Mm. She said, she would tell me all the time, you're not cute. You're not that cute. You're not getting over on me. Won't a parent do it? It's Won't a, a parent do it? I'm telling you. A real said, parent. I am not going to have you be a girl who is dependent on compliments and accolades about your appearance to get through life. Wow. And she would tell me, you're going to get old. Wow. <laughs> your skin is going to fall. Yeah. How Things detrimental. Are what are you going to do? How detrimental, and forgive me for cutting across you, but this as you said that this question came and I believe it's uh, going to help our listeners. How detrimental is it for parents to literally groom their children, their daughter in particular to go throughout life operating off of their looks? How detrimental is that? It's uh, it can become like a drug. Wow. It's an addiction. It becomes an addiction because you cease to function properly without it. I know people, mm-hmm. I know women right now, they can't go two days without posting a selfie, mm. filtered, um, postured for the compliment, particularly from men. Right. Uh, it might be a little sexy, sexy. It might be a little something, something. It, it might not. It doesn't have to be overtly anything, but can't go more than two days without a fresh influx of affirmation, particularly from the opposite sex. That's a very dangerous place to be. And parents don't realize that they're raising their girls to be codependent mm. on the accolades. And the affirmation and the doting and the compliments, right. particularly of men, by making the emphasis be on that appearance and not the intelligence, brilliance, or boldness. So they won't be bold in the sense of taking risks and taking a stand for what they believe in. Right. They're going to be bold in uh, maybe exposition, showing mm. their body, right. revealing right. themselves, so having their boldness show up like that, right. which is not healthy. And what happens is they, these women that I know, some of them that I'm beginning to mentor, do not feel they have a value to the world outside of their appearance. Wow. This is true. This is very true. This warfare is real, listeners. This warfare of womanhood is real. Go ahead. Finish your thought. This is good. Yes. Yes. And that's, that's where... They are, and they'll say it. I'm like, okay, now you're you're this type of woman. Now you you don't need to dress because when you're bringing somebody out of that life, like I don't use language like you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't right. uh, dress like Same that. Here. You shouldn't behave like that. I use language that says you don't have to do that right. anymore. Right. You have an alternative now. Now these saints who grew up in church, I'm like, what you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> because you, somebody, you should people, know better. They do. They do know better. You're rebelling. Do I know the difference between the ones I'm like, you are rebelling and you need to stop and we'll get to the root of why you're here Mm -hmm. versus the ones who have been molested and abused and ravaged from a young age. And so literally, which is the two are almost always tied together, almost always tied together. And that woman feels like, well, this is all I have to offer because this is what people came for when I was little. Right. And this is what I'm going to give them when I'm older. Wow. Wow. Well, can you believe we have been engaged in this yes. discussion for 55 minutes already? It's quick. 
Oh my goodness. It's quick. It's quick. The time, like I said, like we talked about before we begin uh, today's episode, time flies when you're in Jesus and when you're having fun. And so uh, in our next last, rather in our last few moments, I want to (laughs) lift one more quote, have you speak to it. And then we're going to give you closing remarks, of course, and inform all of our listeners of how they can make this book their own. And then I want you to pray. I want you to pray as the Lord would lead you for those listening and those that will listen and download this particular episode that are really in the thick of the warfare. So last quote from her book, despite, no, I already quoted it. Anytime Mm -hmm. I'm on page 24, Anytime a boy wanted to date me, my mom would challenge me with thoughts about my future, who God called me to be, and was he marriage material? Now, that's a whole nother podcast regarding just that (laughs) right there. Are you marriage material? But I digress. At 18 years old, I did not think anyone was ready for marriage, especially me. So sticking to my academic and spiritual development was the goal. Keep in mind that a woman named Dr. Paula Price had not yet entered my life. The prophetic was not even a concept in my brain and the word apostle was not a part of my vocabulary, much less career plans. However, I was determined to make something of my life on my own just to see if it could be done. And this is the part that I wanted to get to and want you to speak to. But of course, every perfect plan encounters. Here is TDD temptations, detours, and distractions. As we get ready to wrap it up, speak to these elements of warfare, these components that are a part of warfare, the temptation, the detours, and the distractions. No matter what you do, you can't avoid it. Jesus Christ was tempted by the devil himself. If he was tempted, we're not exempt. Right. And preparing your children for temptations, detours, and distractions is the best thing you can do. My and how mom do you do that? Has the ability. Well, she has. My mom had the ability of not sugarcoating the truth, mm-hmm. but also not scaring us. Well, with the truth. I love because it. Some parents just drill fear. Right. This you can't talk to those boys because I want you to get pregnant. Now, that's like my mother. My mother encouraged friendship. I had, first of all, there were a ton of boys in my church, like our church. There's mm-hmm. so many boys in the church and compared to how many girls. And so I had all male, many, not all, many male friends to this day, several good male friendships. So she did not drill fear, but she did paint a picture of truth and reality. Wow. Well, so-and-so asked me out. Well, are you, what, are you guys just going to hang out, or did he ask you out-out? Well, he asked me out-out. Really? Well, what do you think is going to happen after that? Mm-hmm. And again, she made me start thinking and thinking and thinking. <clears throat> so you guys going to kiss each other? Well, I don't know. Well, you, you need to know. You, <laughs> is that something you want? She said, you need to, <laughs> you need to say now. Yeah. Not in yeah. the moment. It's not the time to make decisions. And now, 
you know, the hand of God and so many other things, boys really didn't see me growing up like that. I had male friends, mm-hmm. but that wasn't really the objective with most. It, it, you know, when I got older, there were other opportunities. <laughs> but having had the, and not saying I wasn't tempted, and right. not saying I didn't test waters right. early, early years, really ignorant, uh, and more like just exploring to see and making a decision for myself that what my mother raised me to believe, I decided to adopt as an adult right. as part of my belief systems. Because a lot of times when you get out of home, out of the house, you're trying to figure out, hmm, are they right? Are they wrong? Were they overbearing? Was that wisdom? Do I want to obey? Whew, now that I'm by myself, nobody's going to be on my neck to do this. I can just be free. And you kind of come up in your 20s with what really is going to be your rules for your adult life for the rest of your life in many cases. Wow, that's so good. And that's to me when the greatest temptations, detours, and distractions happen, like that window of 15 to 25. Huge time. Most, most of the times when I'm advising, particularly women, mm-hmm. on where they fell the hardest, it was though that 10-year window because you're fighting for your purpose and destiny. Satan mm. is fighting you. Like you said, there's there's a two. God has a plan for you, and so does he. Exactly. And those two plans are rivaling each other. Wow. And to an extent, they're always rivaling each other. But there's those window, that window of time to really decide who's going to run the next season of your life, mm. especially as a young person. It oftentimes takes like 10 years for certain cycles to actually cycle through somebody's life. Mm-hmm. Because of the consequences and the domino effect and the follow-up and then this and the that has to play out. And uh, encountering those temptations, detours, like me going to that other school, that was a detour. That was a detour. That was a distraction. And you could, I could tell now by the seriousness of my calling mm-hmm. why God literally shut everything down. When I tell you this man moved boys to other parts of the country, other parts wow. of the world. He you know what? I got a job, and I said, well, "Okay, all right." And he, well, he ultimately moved me because right. one guy was coming after. He was coming after my purity. He had been gunning for me wow. all through high school, and I was home after college. and And he was setting it up and wanted me to make promises, the things that I would give him mm-hmm. and whatnot. And mm-hmm. that was after that I came to ORU. He moved to another state and saw me several years later. I was home for a visit. He's like, where have you been? I said, I'm in Oklahoma. He said, I always look for you when I come home. Now I see why I can't find you. And I was like, oh, okay, bye. <laughs> have a good one. <laughs> see you. This was before, this was before Facebook. So right. I was like, bye-bye now. And, and that was that. Wow. Well, listen, have you not enjoyed yes. this conversation, this dialogue, this impartation with my friend, my apostle sister, Apostle Ashley Clater. We are so grateful. We're so grateful to you for <laughs> she's hitting her bell. I love it. Her and I, our personalities, I'm telling you, we 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 click we clicked from the beginning, from the get-go, and the relationship has just blossomed and I'm just in awe of what God is doing regarding our connection relationship and 
I'm just grateful to you, grateful to God, first and foremost, and grateful to you for accepting uh, this invitation to be back with us here on a Biblical Perspective podcast to discuss various aspects, powerful, potent aspects from your book, Diary of a Woman Apostle, The Warfare of Womanhood. Now, Pastor Ashley, I want you to inform our listeners of how they can connect with you as it pertains to ministry. If they need an assessment and advisement, uh, share with them in regards to that, all of your social media outlets, your website, and of course, how they can purchase this book for themselves and any last words you want to give as well. And then I want you to pray for our listeners and just allow the spirit of God to lead you in declaring things over their life as a, as it pertains to this struggle, this warfare of womanhood. Yes, you can reach me at ashleycministries.com www.ashleigh, the letter C, ministries.com. Yes, my mother gave me the long spelling of my name. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> and uh, that's where you can find the book in my e-store. You can find out what services I offer under services. You can download things. Um, if you want to, if you need advisement under services, there is a, a description and then a link that will take you to prophetic ed. I believe there's something about that up there that can take you to assessments. I'm not quite sure. And all the other services that I offer in addition to that, for example, I teach one on one teachings on public speaking, mm-hmm. image coaching, a lot of things going on there beyond the standard ministry. Uh, topics. I also have a training program. It's called the Executive Attendant Training Program, and it is designed and custom made for those who are in an assistantship position, meaning executive assistant, personal assistant, armor bearer, attendant, anything in those areas. There's a six-part training series that's up there. It's uh, several hundred dollars worth every dollar. Mm-hmm. Uh, from it is worth every dollar, and. Um, and I just want to encourage you to check those things out and really take your life, your ministry to the next level. And now I shall pray. Amen. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity for Prophet CT in leading the charge in, in biblical perspectives. I, I pray right now for a blessing and an increase over his broadcast set. And I summon in a whole new listening audience that he would be discovered. I pray that he will no longer be buried in other people's things and missed and overlooked or just, mm, I'll look at it, but I won't click. But I summon the spirit of interest and um, longevity and stickiness and sustainability on this podcast that he would explode, that his offerings would increase, that the, the downloads would increase, that the shares would increase as he is making a substantial footprint in your kingdom, that it is well received and it germinates in the body of Christ, Lord, I'm asking that this, his, his podcast would even pick up even just one or two influencers who would spread the word on his behalf and share with their network and let word of mouth do what it does. Now, Lord, I also pray for our listeners and those, particularly the women who are in this warfare. And I pray now, right now for the spirit of deliverance to go out and to deliver their souls, whether they have been molested, been abused, 
deliver them and heal them from the hurts and the pains and the wounds that just keep driving them into destructive patterns and destructive habits and a destructive lifestyle, unable to find their way out. Lord, I pray that you dispatch unto them even now a mercy anointing that you would have mercy on them, but that people around them would have mercy and the spirit of forgiveness, that they would forgive themselves, even though other things were placed on them. I pray for those who are vacillating right now between stepping into or pursuing or solidifying a relationship that is not of you and walking away. And I say by the power of God, walk away and wait on God's best. Wait on his season. Wait on yes, his timing. Yes. No, being single is not the worst thing that can happen to you. Being in the wrong thing is the terrible thing that can happen to you. And so I pray now, Lord, that your spirit of integrity, but that your spirit of courage mounts up within your women to take a stand for their destiny, take a stand for their purpose, and wait for your best, whether that's waiting until they're 25, because some people are supposed to get married at a young age. Uh, whether some people are supposed to meet their spouse right out of high school or whether it's in their 20s or 30s or 40s or 50s, whatever it is, God, you know who you have in store for your people. And so I just ask you to redirect the wrong person, to shut false doors and opportunities, to expose snakes in the grass and to empower your women to take a stand for righteousness, to take a stand for their purpose and their future and their destiny in you. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. In the name that's above every name, Jesus Christ. Listen, Jesus. family. Yeah, hey, she she can sing too. She can sing. Uh, <laughs> I can't, but she can. But thank you once again for being back with me here on A Biblical Perspective. Listeners, I want you to go and download this episode and share it. Share it with your friends, share it with your sisters, share it with even men that are raising uh, young girls. Uh, So I want you to get this word out and share this word. And I encourage your parents to listen to this podcast with your children. If your children are of appropriate age, sit down with them and listen to this podcast. Allow them to dialogue with you and to give you their their opinion and their thoughts in regards to what they hear. And I'm telling you, it will open up a powerful dialogue between you in, and your child and or your children. So once again, great thanks to Apostle Ashley Clater for being with us. And until our next episode, this is Prophet C.T. Johnson. Be empowered. I want to thank you for listening to a Biblical Perspective podcast where God's point of view matters with yours truly, Prophet C.T. Johnson. If you enjoyed today's episode, I invite you to rate and subscribe to the podcast at cpnshows.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. To learn more about myself and C.T. Johnson Ministries International, visit the website at ctjohnson.org or text the phrase prophetic voice to 54244. And don't forget to connect with me on social media via Instagram and Twitter at CTJ Ministries or via the ministry's Facebook page at C.T. Johnson Ministries. I also invite you to subscribe to my YouTube channel, C.T. Johnson Ministries, also known as Prophetic Voice TV. 
for 24 hour, seven days a week of prophetic empowerment. And lastly, be sure to watch my national television broadcast, Prophetic Voice, on Dominion TV, airing Tuesdays at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and Thursdays at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Watch the broadcast via Roku, Apple TV, or by downloading the Dominion TV app from your Apple or Google Play Store or via the website dominion.tv. Tune in next week as we boldly and unapologetically share God's point of view.